0: Good morning,
1: everyone. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If any of the kids want to come up and help us sing, that'd be wonderful. Spill out your friendship card for any prayers or concern, or just so we can get to know you. It's It's fun to be part of a
0: welcoming committee here at Pendleton
2: Center.
1: We do welcome you to Pendleton Center United Methodist Church this morning. We have clipboards going around in every section, and it is for the rummage sale. The rummage sale is going to be this Saturday, so throughout the entire week. We'd love for you to bring all of the stuff in your basements and attics and just cluttering up your houses and donate it and put it in the back of the sanctuary, the expansion area there. We're going to be collecting it up. The United Methodist women do this to collect money to give to missions, and they do a wonderful job with it. So, again, all this week we we'll are going to be collecting rummage sale items for the sale on Saturday. I want to announce that the fish fry series is over, and we ended with 416 dinners the last week, which was outstanding, and thank you to everyone who helped with that. It was a wonderful experience. Um, There is membership class today at 1245, so if you know of anyone who wants to become a member or just wants to find out more about the church, let them know about that at 1245 today. Um, A really good announcement. Next week, we get the time change fall back, we get extra hours of sleep, it's a good thing, so just remember that though so you don't come at the wrong time, Um, and also next week we're celebrating All Saints Day, so in your bulletin is a card, and if someone you love has passed away in the past year, put their name on that, and we will be announcing those during the service of communion next week, okay, let's pray so we can enter worship. Lord, we come into your presence this day, praising your name, and we pray that you will fill this place with your peace and your presence, your joy. May we experience you and have our hearts and minds opened to your will and your way. May everything we say and do in this worship experience exalt your name. May you ever be praised. Amen. I'd like to invite you all to be To stand, if you're able, as we sing together, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. I'd like to invite any of the kids to come on up. Any kids wanna come on up? Come on, guys. Come on.
3: How are you all today? Yeah, are you doing fine? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Tell me something. What's your favorite story? Vampire book? Okay. What's your, what's your favorite story? You don't have a favorite story? What's your favorite story? You forgot. What's your favorite story? Yeah. Batman, what's your favorite story? Yeah. It's hard. Can you pick one? Yeah. Do you all read stories? What? Mmm, stories about horses. You know what my favorite story is? My favorite story is all the stories in this book. Here, you know what this book is, right? It is. It's it's the Bible. Do you know why it's my favorite book? Because it's made up of hundreds of stories. Hundreds of stories. And every single story in this book tells me how much God loves me. So when I read this book, it, I, I just feel so filled with God's love. I feel like the most important, amazing person in the whole universe loves me. Every single story in this book tells me that. I like stories that tell me how much God loves me. So when you go and you take um, go to your Sunday school classes and When you read your Bible at home with your mom and dad and all those things that you do to help you know what the stories are that are in your Bible, I want you to look for all the ways God tells you that God loves you. Because God does love you. And God loves your mom and your dad. And you know what happens? Here's the neat thing that happens. When you learn the story of how God loves you real, real well, You can tell the story to other people. Do you like when people tell you stories? You do, don't you? I bet they like when you tell them stories too, don't they? Yeah. So you learn the stories about how God loves you, and then you tell those stories to everybody you meet, okay? All right. What are you thankful for this
1: morning?
4: My mom, Tim, and everybody else in my family. Friends and family.
1: I'm thankful for my baby sister, my mom, and dad, and that now I have an actual dad who will be there with me. Friends and family.
0: Friends and family. Friends and family. Okay, let's pray.
3: Heavenly Father, we know you love us. We just ask in Jesus' name that you help us to learn all the stories that tell us how much we love you and how much you love us. Lord God, help us to have hearts, to share your love wherever we go. Help us not to be afraid or to worry about maybe getting the words wrong or maybe being embarrassed about it. Help us to just love you so much that we can share your love and share the story of how much you love us with all the people. Be with us and bless us and bless our families. Help us, Lord, to do everything in our life in ways that bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And everybody can go off to church school now. There you
5: go.
0: Good morning,
3: I'm Linda Barzikowski and I just wanted this morning to say how thankful I am for the journey that God has taken me on. I went from knowing him, not always following him the way I should, to being a leader in the church as a CLM to being able to help make more disciples of Christ through Bible studies that I've been leaving, leading. And I just thank God for his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness. So I'm thankful for God and his love and mercy. Let's return to him our gifts, ties, and offerings.
1: Of our love for you as a reflection of the great love you have for us we pray that these gifts will expand your ministry help us to use these gifts to express your love throughout the world may your kingdom come in all glory and power for you and in your name we pray amen please be seated we have a a joy this morning Um, Tim Wasiewicz, which is the son of Sue and Peter Wasiewicz. Peter's our usher at the 930 service, and Sue is our organist. And uh, Tim grew up in this church, and he got married yesterday. uh, It's like so weird when they get that old. (laughs) It's like, like, wow, he's an adult now. Uh, So, yeah, he got married yesterday to Sarah, and so it's a wonderful blessing. Uh, We do also have a prayer concern. Doug Rout had surgery on, on Thursday. He's expected to go home today, but please keep him in prayer for recovery, and we also are aware of many concerns on the hearts of the people in this congregation that are not expressed out loud, but are really quite painful. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, we praise your name. You are a mighty and wonderful, glorious Lord, and we thank you and praise you, but we are struggling with so many things. There are people in our lives that don't know you, and we pray that you will give us the courage and the conviction to express your love to them. Open their hearts, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the people who are experiencing physical problems, that some are very severe, Lord, we pray that your healing touch will be upon them, we pray that miraculous healing will happen in your name. We pray that you'll be with the doctors and the nurses, guide their hand, and that you will take the pain away. Give them your comfort and your peace and surround them with people who will love them and support them. Lift them up and encourage them. We pray for our families. Draw us closer to one another and draw us closer to you. Help us as families to recognize Priority of you in our lives. Help us to make the hard decisions to make sure that you are a part of each family. And bless our families, Lord. Help the people in our families to look upon one another with love, forgiveness, and respect. We pray for this church. May we be a beacon of light in this community. The people will know that this is a church of faith, and of goodness, and of mercy, and reflect your love. We pray that for this country that is going through a great turmoil. The political process has torn us apart. We pray that you will give us guidance in the voting decisions, and we pray that you will give us godly leaders, whoever becomes an office, we pray that you'll open their hearts to your conviction and their minds to your guidance through all of this replacing our country in your hands knowing that you are all powerful and almighty and your plan is greater than anything we may try to put across. We pray for our world and all the struggles in it, the violence, the hunger, the hurt, the pain. We pray that somehow we can be people of peace, that we can in some way reach out and may your love and your grace spread across this world. It's something that only you can do. Help us to be a part of it. May the healing of our world begin through your grace. We ask all these things, Lord, knowing that you are a wonderful and mighty God and we trust in you for all things. We love you, Lord. Amen. Let's hear the word
5: of our Lord.
4: Good morning. Today's reading is from 2 Samuel, chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him. What town are you from, he would answer. Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would see that they receive justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. At the end of the four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. While your servant was living at Geshur in Aram, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Two hundred men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo to his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following kept on increasing. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials, who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us, and bring ruin on us, and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord the King chooses. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Thank you, Christy. Now we're continuing today with our series on the life of King David. It's been quite a long story and filled with some interesting twists that you might not have thought you'd find in the Bible. Today we see David's son, Absalom, has returned from his self-imposed exile. Remember, Absalom had killed his half-brother, Amnon, because Amnon had totally destroyed Absalom's sister, Tamar's, life. And Absalom ran away. He was away for three years, and all that time, David missed him even though he was in mourning for his dead son Amnon, and Absalom was the one who had killed Amnon. The scripture tells us the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom. It must have been hard for David, mourning one son, missing the other. But David wouldn't allow Absalom to return to Jerusalem. Ultimately, Absalom does return through a series of events that you can read about in the 14th chapter of 2 Samuel. A woman, who the scripture calls a wise woman, visits the king and tells him this. God does not take away life. Instead, he devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him. Didn't David experience that kind of love from God when he became aware of his own sin? Adultery and murder are not small things, and yet God restored David. This woman reminded him God's mercy toward him, and David extended mercy to Absalom. The king summoned Absalom, and Absalom came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. It almost sounds like the story of the prodigal son in the gospel, doesn't it? Hearing this, you might think all is well and forgiven. But the scripture Christie read to us today tells us that that is not what happened. You see, there was a problem in the relationship between David and Absalom. And the root of the problem was David's inability to be a strong, godly presence in his family's life. He wouldn't do what needed to be done to discipline his sons. As we heard last week, Amnon had done a terrible thing to Absalom's sister Tamar. And David did nothing about it. Nothing to bring justice into the family. Nothing that would have made healing possible among his sons in their relationships. So Absalom took matters into his own hands, killed his brother, and in the process, lost all respect for his father's position as king, for his father's position as leader of the family. Then Absalom began gathering political support He saw himself as the next king, a king who could actually do something to lead in decisive and powerful ways, not wimping out and ignoring real problems, like his father David does. He hangs out at the city gate, talking to people, subversively undermining David's authority among the people entering. People coming into the city were coming for justice. They were coming to bring their cases before the king, Absalom. Absalom was basically telling them, you won't find justice here. It's too bad I'm not king. If I were in charge, I'd be sure to take care of your situation in a way that would satisfy Then Absalom does something that clinches the deal he's trying to make with the people. Something that would make it really possible for him to take over the whole kingdom. He goes to Hebron. Hebron is the place where he was born. Hebron is the place where David had been anointed. place that David had established as the original capital of the entire kingdom. Before Jerusalem was found to be a more convenient location, a better location, Hebron was the capital. It was where everything happened. And this place was a place that all the Israelites recognized as a holy place. Abraham and Sarah were buried there.
0: So were Isaac and Rebekah and
3: Jacob and Leah, the founders of the Israelite way of being, the founders of their religion, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were buried there. Hebron was significant in Israel, and it had retained its importance as a political and religious center in Israel. It was a place where the priests and the Levites lived. Remember, there wasn't a temple built at Jerusalem yet. Hebron
0: was the place to go.
3: So, naturally, when Absalom asked David if he could go to Hebron, he had something up his sleeve. He was plotting to be called upon, to be king. Absalom had been working on this for years, slowly building up a following for himself, gradually winning the people over to his leadership, right under David's nose. And David didn't do anything about it. We don't have much indication in the scripture that Absalom knew or loved God but we can read throughout the Old Testament about how much David loved God and how God had blessed and supported David. David had defeated Goliath and thousands and tens of thousands of Israel's enemies. He had proven himself a mighty leader, a great king, despite all of his faults. Even now, deciding to flee from Absalom's forces, the king's officials, in their loyalty to them, to him, say, your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord the King chooses. But among his children, David didn't say what needed to be said. He loved God, but he seemed to fear leading his people into the relationship with God that he had. He had it in his heart. But in so many ways that his children saw, David didn't live. it. David had attained the heights with God, but he didn't take his family with him. David was a slave to fear. So Absalom manipulated the people in Hebron to proclaim him king, and David had to run for his life. I have a fear of heights, too, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. I don't mind the climbing up part. Actually, I really enjoy climbing up. It's the getting down. Once I'm up there, getting me down is really, really hard. I freeze up, and I can't move. When I was 15, a childhood friend of my dad's came to stay with us for a few days. He came with his two sons who were just a little bit older than me and were absolutely adorable. Of course, I wanted to impress these guys with how cool I was, which didn't work at all. And the icing on the cake of my complete and total embarrassment was when we took these guys on a ride in the aero car, you you know, the, the gondola thing that goes over the whirlpool by Niagara Falls over the gorge? Yeah, I was all decked out in teenage summer wear. I was trying to make interesting conversation about California rock bands, which I knew just about nothing about. Did I mention these guys were musicians? from California. Yeah, well, we got about 2 minutes into the crossing and I looked down through the grated floor of the cable car. You know how they're made like that and you can see right down through them. Yeah, well, that was it. Every ounce of wanna be cool got sucked right out of me and I curled up into a little ball leaning against the side of the car with my eyes shut, tight, I was absolutely convinced that we were all going to die. Our fear today, one that we're thinking about, is a fear of heights. I will not be climbing the ladder. (sighs) On that cable car, at that great height, my fear was completely exposed in front of everybody. I don't like when my fears are exposed. I'm guessing most of you don't like when your fears are exposed either. Sharing the truth of God's love and mercy Sharing the gospel of Jesus and how Jesus has made a way for us to be saved from our sins. Sharing the new way of life that we can have through faith in Jesus Christ. Sharing that is a fear that lots of Christians in today's world have. We are blessed by God ourselves and content to keep our faith to ourselves We fear going to new heights with our friends and our family by exposing the reality of our love for God to them. Fear of heights of all kinds can be very real. Deanna Jones' father is being, well, they're all kind of being held by some really evil people, but in the midst of it, his father is going to die. And Indy has to get something from the other side to bring it back, because that's going to save his father's life. He has to cross that enormous abyss to get to it. Indy has a promise that if he just steps out in faith, he'll be able to get there. The only way to set his dad free is a life-threatening leap of faith. Our families, our friends, and our neighbors, they need to be set free from the evil of this world, from the evil that holds them captive. Do so many Christians fear talking about their faith with others? What are we afraid of? I guess it's a very vulnerable place to be, exposing that kind of love. Maybe we fear being rejected. That could be part of it. What if they laugh at me? What if they just think that I must really have some kind of a really weird, big psychological problem if I'm so insecure that I need to cling to something that amounts to little more than a big, powerful, imaginary friend? I don't know. Maybe that's not it. Maybe we're afraid that if we start sharing these things, them. If we start talking to people about this, they will ask us questions that we don't know the answers to. We won't be able to prove to them that God really exists, and everybody wants proof, right? We won't be able to prove to them that this great God of the universe knows them. We feel unqualified to be the ones to tell them what they need to hear, to say what needs to be said. We know God wants us to share Christ with others. We wonder about our culture, the society around us, because we see a whole generation living very differently from the way we know God teaches us to live. We see people who are more interested in their own happiness than they are about making life in this world better for everybody. But we're a lot like David. We're slaves to fear. Fear of not being accepted when we share our stories. We're afraid to tell our faith stories to other people who need to hear them so God isn't part of their lives. In the midst of David's struggle, God is with him. David had advisors who told him about Absalom's plot, and many people are loyal to him. They have seen the way David has been blessed by God and have trusted God to love and care for him, even when he's made a great big mess. David is the one who wrote, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David seems to live from one extreme to another. He's either killing somebody or threatening to kill them. Or he's doing nothing and having to run away. This time, God allows David to recognize Absalom's plot in time to get away. God allows David the time he needs to regroup. For some reason, God loves David through it all.
0: God loves
3: God's grace in David's life. And part of God's grace in David's life is that God wants David to grow in his faith too. When we look at David's story, we can see a long process of maturing in faith all the way through. In times of trouble and in times of glory, David is a dearly beloved child of God. David couldn't change the outcome of his actions or the consequences of his foolishness, but God is bigger than David's mistakes, even the really huge ones. Anybody in here a murderer? Careful, don't answer too quickly. You don't want to answer wrong. I've been looking in the Gospels. Jesus says that if we have anger in our heart, toward anyone. We're as guilty
0: as a murderer.
3: Mm. What separates David and us from people like Absalom who don't know God is repentance. Asking for forgiveness and making the changes that move us closer to God. God kept loving David And David kept loving God. Yes, there were consequences for David's foolishness. And he had to wait for a while to save himself and to save his friends. But because David is a child of God, God is with David no matter what. And God works all things together for good to those who are called according to God's purpose. We, who call Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, are also children of God.
6: You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer. You have chosen me, your love has called my name, I've been born again, into your family, your blood flows.
3: Children of God, there is evil in this world. But we are here Because God is present in us and we are present in this world, God is present in this world. Did you catch that? God is in God's children. And God's children and bring the knowledge of the glory of the Lord into the world.
0: We have God in us!
3: By faith. We don't have the power to save people. Only God can do that. But God has given us the task of sharing God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and with everyone that God has put in our lives. The question is, are we going to take the dangerous, terrifying leap that's necessary to go to new heights with God, that's necessary to bring our loved ones Indiana Jones didn't look any less terrified when he stepped out. It was only after he took the step, after he moved out in faith, that he realized the promise was really true. When we step out in faith, it's terrifying. If we knew for sure everything would come out the way we wanted it to, we wouldn't need faith. But the moment we step out, we realize God is with us, whatever the outcome might be. And whatever the outcome, God being with us is very good, amen? It is. If we want to leave a legacy of godliness that shows that God overcomes all our fears, if we want to see our families and our world change for the better, We must accept the truth. As God's children, we are no longer slaves to fear. We have been set free so that we can set others free. We are children of God. Can you say it? I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Our leap of faith has to be one that shares our story, the story of what God has done in our lives. It has to be a leap of faith that brings God into every aspect of our lives, every aspect of all of our relationships with everybody. It has to be a leap of faith that freely shares God. God has freely shared
0: his love with us. God makes us able.
3: God makes us free from fear. God helps us set others free. You stand and sing as you're able about how freely you have received what God has freely poured out. our hearts to receive Holy Communion. We come together as the body of Christ to receive from God what we need to do what God has called us to do. When we come forward by faith and receive the bread and the juice, we are receiving God. We don't understand how it works, but we know that it does. We receive God into ourselves. Everyone is welcome to come to the table. If you love God and repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, doing what God has called you to do, if that's what your heart is, you are welcome at the table. Whether or not you're United Methodist, whether or not you've ever been to church before in your life, You are welcome to come to the table and receive God in faith. We need to let go of this fear thing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I have not loved you enough to let go of my fear and trust you for the faith I need to share your love with others. Not the way you share, Lord. I hold back. I'm nervous. Sometimes I'm embarrassed. I lift all this up to you now, Lord. I ask you to make me able. Give me the faith I need. I trust you, Lord. I want others to trust you too. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God loves you so much. Before, you know, like it was in the video, from my mother's womb you have chosen me, before we even knew what sin was or knew how it separated us from God and from each other, God sent Jesus to save us so we can say to one another, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God, amen, amen. Let's get some strength from God, let's sing.
1: The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, Your love remains steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself help for us, he took the bread and he gave thanks to you, Father Almighty, and he broke the bread and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you, given for the forgiveness of sins, either of this often remembering me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to you, And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins.
4: Drink of this often,
1: remembering me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, that thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. For those who are serving, please come forward.
3: You're welcome to come and receive all that God has for you. Come expecting. Come and light a candle and say a prayer if you like. And Pastor Sherry and I will be at the rail if you're in need of anointing with oil or prayer for anything that you need prayer for. Come. Meet with God. Isn't God good? Amen. If you're able, would you stand? Join in singing our closing hymn this morning, Faith of Our Fathers. through Jesus Christ, a legacy that the Holy Spirit is in us and works in us and through us to make change in this world, to draw people to faith in Jesus Christ. It's all right here in this hymn. Actually, we could have just sung the song and been done, (laughs) and you would have heard everything that was in there. Faith of our fathers, we will strive to win all nations unto thee through the truth that comes from God, we shall be truly free. We shall love both friend and foe. Doesn't God love everybody? And we will preach. We will preach as love knows how by kindly words and virtuous life. We will be true. God has set us free from our fears. We are growing in faith and in grace. We are maturing in our faith just like David did over his life. We just need to take that step and trust that God is under our feet. The one who holds us up and gets us across to the other side. As you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you love and joy and peace in him forevermore. Amen.